Today's episode is brought to you by the Ringers Golf Podcast, Shack House. It's the Masters this week, and on Monday's show, the guys gave their predictions and answered listener questions. They'll be back later this week, breaking down all the action from round one in Augusta. Make sure to subscribe to Shack House on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. It's WrestleMania week. Well, the week after WrestleMania. I don't know. I guess last week was WrestleMania. I don't even know. Dave Schilling is still traveling the world uh, after his world whirlwind journey through Orlando. Dave, how you doing, man? Good. I went from Orlando after four or five days of WrestleMania uh, to Los Angeles for literally like six hours. And now I'm in Salt Lake City doing a big profile of the Utah Jazz. Uh, they stopped serving alcohol at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So I opened a beer, and uh, I'm going to enjoy that while we talk tonight. Oh, my Today, gosh. tonight, whatever it is. Beer? When is it? I don't know. I've been on a plane forever. Drinking beers in a hotel room while you're podcasting is like, that's a it's a, it's a time-honored wrestling podcast tradition. I think <laughs> I think some of the, the early Stone Cold Steve Austin podcasts had that going on. Um, listen... Uh, we recorded a podcast in case for you listening to this in case you didn't know we did a podcast the night of Wrestlemania with the great Steve Kazee and uh, it was we were tired and, and drained from the show but it was a really awesome show and we, we talked then a lot about the big hits the, the big points of the night uh, Undertaker's retirement chief among those um, before we get too deep into the into Wrestlemania or into Raw and Smackdown that have happened this week, I, I need to ask, Dave, you, you, you were telling me right before we went on the air that you bought way too many t-shirts at the Superstore in Orlando. Can you can you tell me some of the t-shirts that you bought? Oh, sure. Yeah, I got the KO Mania 2 shirt, obviously. I think that's one of the best wrestling shirts that they've put out in a long time. Uh, I got the Rick Rude Hall of Fame t-shirt. Nice. It's pink. So, you know, I have to really, like feel like a man or at least half of a Dolph Ziggler to wear that in public. Um, uh, oh, I got the Southpaw Regional Wrestling t-shirt. They nice. had them for sale. And let me tell you, everywhere I went, whether it was uh, NXT, Wally Mania, all the places that I, I went during my trip, everyone was like, where'd you get that shirt, man? And I was like, oh, WWE's selling them now because they know they can just print money. They were selling them on .com like before WrestleMania, so... Right. These people are just not checking in on the WWE merch situation if they're that well, confused yeah, about it. I think, I, yeah, not everybody bookmarked WWEshop.com the way that I did. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's awesome, man. Those are some really solid buys. Um, I bought uh, Sasha Banks shirt at the Superstore last year, and I've worn it, I think, three times since then, but it's, it's still one of my prized possessions. Um, and I'm looking at the WWE shop right now, um, this is not a branded uh, discussion. WWE shop, you could take it or leave it. But they do have a beautiful new Balor Club shirt there. And uh, I saw that one on Instagram. Oh boy! And that takes us right into um, Monday Night Raw, where I mean, I guess we're skipping to the end. But screw it, man! This is a whole new era. The wheel keeps on turning, as Vince McMahon says. Um, it, Finn Balor made his triumphant. Return after uh, the six month layoff post shoulder injury at SummerSlam and um, is now uh, teaming with Seth Rollins. Uh, this is uh, this evoke people listening to this know I always compare everything to like my formative wrestling watching years, watching Memphis stuff. 
But there's something about this that felt very like territory era, where like the two skinny guys with abs and long, and and one of them has long hair are facing off against like two like mean fat dudes. Like it was very it it, <laughs> it, it felt it felt very much of an archetype. Uh, well, how? Let's just go right to that last the, the, that last match. What is your? How, how much did you enjoy seeing Finn come back? And how do you feel about this potential uh, good versus evil showdown that we have coming up? I thought it was great. Um, you know, I I thought that the crowd could have been a little bit better during the actual match. <laughs> Some, sometimes I thought like, oh, do these people like wrestling, or do they just like to pop for entrances? Um, because, you know, during the actual matches, uh, without uh, any sort of exception, they ignored them. <laughs> They're playing with beach balls and, and singing and all that shit that I hate. Um, but I thought it was it was strange, though, that the announcers never once um, mentioned that Seth Rollins was the one who injured Finn Balor in August and was the reason why Finn Balor missed half of a year of, of wrestling. They, they, they just ignored it. They, just, they, they said, oh, he got hurt, and now he's back. But they, just, they never acknowledged it. And there was a little bit of, of physicality or physical um, sort of distance or tension between the two, but they, they didn't push that, which I thought was strange, because I feel like that would have made the storyline and the match just that much more interesting and that much more intriguing and engaging. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's uh, first of all, WWE is. It, I mean, no one glosses over history better than them, but they can, but they do it both ways. You know, I mean, they can do the they can do the quick, just like yeah, it was Seth, but now like you know they have reason to get along, sort of thing, really easily. And when they when they willfully omit something like that, it is one of the most frustrating parts of uh, yeah. of pro wrestling because it's just like. I mean, fans like us, fans like everyone listening to the show, like we try to take these storylines more seriously than they deserve to be taken, and uh, and you know it's just like it pulls the rug out from under. Uh, you talked a little bit about the fans. I mean, I feel like we have this conversation every year now. You know, for years it was the it was uh, you know talking about how awesome the post raw the I mean the post mania raw. Uh, crowd was, and I've said over and over again, like if you have a chance to go to one time in your life to either that Raw or to WrestleMania, man, go to that Raw because it's an incredible experience. But um, it seems like the past couple of years, the, the, t- the, the conversation has shifted a little bit to be about, you know, what are these fans doing? They're hijacking the show, whatever. I mean, I come down on both sides of it. I've argued very loudly in both directions in the past. You bought your ticket. You're there to be part of this show in, you know, at this point in the most ostentatious way. Um, and, you know, one would like to think that you would have some, a little bit more respect than, than uh, you know, sometimes it seems like they're, they're giving the product. But to be so amped up and to be part of that crowd and, frankly, to be, like, physically and mentally exhausted after, you know, probably most of those people, this is probably their, what, fourth day in a row of professional wrestling, fifth day if it's SmackDown. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're just in an altered state and, uh, and I wish that, I wish they get, they were a little bit more respectful at times, but I mean, this is just the way things are right now. Yeah. I mean, I get really frustrated because I don't think people realize how much it adversely affects the TV audience's ability to suspend disbelief when they're watching a wrestling match. I've said, I said, I said this many times, I said it on Twitter, um, the day after on Tuesday, after 
Raw played itself out, that there are th- three characters, three main characters in a professional wrestling match, the babyface, the heel, and the audience. The referee is important, but the referee is basically an extra because the referee has no internal motivation. They're just there to be the, the gatekeeper, and the, 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 the rule of law is expressed through the referee. But the babyface is trying to garner your sympathy as the audience. The heel is trying to upset you. Um, and if you're not participating, if you're not giving anything uh, in terms of emotion or response, then you're not playing your part. And, and I understand that when you pay for a ticket, you're not paying to be part of a, of, a, of a drama. But the fact of the matter is the competitors, the performers in the ring are trying to curry your favor, are trying to get you to be emotionally involved in the match. And when you're not, when you're singing when you're chanting things that have nothing to do with the match, when you're looking at, you know, any other thing, when you're making fun of the belt, uh, the way it looks like they did uh, in Brooklyn at a SummerSlam, then you're not, you're, you're defeating the purpose of, of them trying to get you to pay attention. And it's got to be frustrating for the performers. They're never going to say it because the only important corporate imperative is to get you to pay and to have a good time. And if you're having a good time, and that means you're going to sing and you're going to chant weird stuff that has nothing to do with the match, then who cares? But it's not, it doesn't help the art form at all. Yeah, no, it's, I totally agree with that. I think, I think that, that um, I mean, first of all, I'm all in on your, uh, what you were saying about the the face, the heel, and the crowd. I, I think I wrote a column to that effect uh, a while ago, actually just called The Third Man. It was about the crowd uh, and, and, the, and the kind of active role they've taken in recent years. I, it's just... I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I, at this point, I don't really know what you can say about people who were like bouncing beach balls and singing unrelated songs, uh, except that like you wish they wouldn't do it. You know, I mean, there's, there, it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not like the people that are doing that came in with the. I mean, they didn't all come in with the objective to just. To, just to ruin the experience for everybody else, you just get caught up in it, you know. And it's just like yeah. everything else. And in those situations, the the crowd is, you know, the crowd is a, is more significant. I mean, the crowd takes on a larger role just because of the night, you know, the night in question. And and well, anyway, we don't need to spend too much time on it. Although I will say that <clears throat> I feel like this is going to be a thing. I feel like we're, we're like we're not we're we're a year or two away from a Raw after WrestleMania where. It's not just Vince McMahon, you know, acknowledging the crowd. It's going to be, there's going to be just some like entirely postmodern, like we're just going to stop wrestling now moment. And that's, that's totally booked just to screw with us. Um, Yeah. Anyway, there were two, I mentioned Vince McMahon, two big things happened on Raw to, uh, to try to diffuse the crowd. One was Vince McMahon coming out and um, we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll discuss that more in a minute. But the the first was they opened the show with Roman Reigns. Whose entire purpose seemed to be to just suck every, like suck all of that and all of that, you know, energy slash anxiety out of the air. I mean, is that did I read that correctly? Was there any reason to send him out like that except to, except just to like, let the fans get it out of their system? Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought that was an awesome segment. I thought he played it to perfection, and it just goes to show you that when people say, "Hey, he should be a heel," they're they're right. They're not just saying it because they hate him or because they, they want to boo him. It's because he's very booable. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. No. To, when you're a professional wrestler, that's a great thing. If you can get people to hate you that much, especially a crowd that is that, that 
uh, non-traditional, that peculiar, and that that uh, mercurial. You know, get them to hate you that much that they wouldn't shut the hell up. Uh, I thought it was masterfully done. It was a great way to start it. Um, I just want them to then look at that and say, okay, obviously he should be a heel, and we should just do a traditional wrestling angle. Because right now it feels very meta and very like, oh, we, he's a heel because they boo him, but we're going to continue to book him as a babyface. And that's it's the most frustrating storytelling decision that they've ever made. Even Cena, you know, it's it, Cena was polarizing, but we've gotten to the point where now that you've had Roman Reigns retire the most beloved professional wrestler of his generation. No one's ever going to cheer him except for the 25 to 50 people in the crowd who are obsessed with Roman Reigns and by the grown men who buy the vests and walk around wrestling conventions in a vest, in a, in a, in a flak jacket. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no going back now that he's slayed the, the, the dead man. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think that when Triple H, I mean, because he recently came out and talked about it, when Triple H says, you know, makes comments about how, you know, Roman Reigns is already, the, you know, the best heel in the company, so what are you complaining about? I, I think that he's right, but it's also sort of a cop-out. I mean, because when John Cena was playing that role of the, you know, the accidental biggest heel in the company, um, people like CM Punk were coming out and, like, calling him out on it. You know, I mean, that was a, yep. that was a regular, it was regularly acknowledged. Um, and, you know, with with Roman Reigns, people are still, I mean, people still treat him like he's the top babyface, with the exception of The Undertaker, obviously. I mean, the, the majority of people that come out are, are the big bads, and they, and they you know, address him appropriately. Um, it's, it's just a weird, it's, you know, I, I wish they would do a little bit more with that. But I'm not, you know, whatever. Roman Reigns, was, he was great on Monday. Here's to hoping they... They uh they they keep playing with that going forward. Um, when Vince McMahon came out, uh, it was uh I'm I'm kind of sort of like halfway through writing a big WrestleMania piece that who knows if I'll ever find time to finish it. But that that was a real central moment I think because it was, um, it was, I mean it was it was really like a like a you know State of the Union address except he didn't really say that much. But it was it was uh. You know, it was like, or it was like when you work for a big company and you have like the one day a year where your CEO takes questions or whatever. Um, right. It was the fans, like you know, it was the fans' opportunity to you know voice their complaints directly to Vince. Um, and they, you know, he came out and, and was immediately um, uh, just title waved with uh, with Roman sucks chance. Um, you know, I think in so I you know it, it's interesting. To, it's I mean it'll be interesting to see whether or not this this does really affect a change with Roman Reigns or if it's or if you know if Vince and Triple H have convinced themselves backstage that this is the best move just to let let him keep freaking out about Roman Reigns, then you know fans aren't doing themselves any favors by by yelling at him. Um, but the, you know I guess the big takeaway from that from that Vince. Um, from the Vince speech was that we're going to have a shakeup next week. Do you have any, you have any shakeup theories or you heard any rumors showing? I haven't heard any rumors other than what should be kind of obvious. If you're watching the product closely, like Alexa bliss loses again to Naomi. It seems like that's her way to transition comfortably to raw. Um, Charlotte, seems like she might switch places maybe sasha banks seems like a lot of the the women um 
are marked for 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 moving. Uh, AJ Styles has been bandied about as someone who would go to Raw, and I think of of all the people on SmackDown, he is the most likely and the most and the one that would benefit the most from going from SmackDown to Raw because. Just put him with Anderson and Gallows, for God's sake. <laughs> Anderson and Gallows are treading water if they're not playing Tex Ferguson and uh, I forget the other guy's name. But the Southpaw characters, you know, they they job out and they job out and they job out and they job out and, and, and have them be a part of a heel stable or something. Though AJ Styles does seem like he is transitioning into a babyface role after giving propers to Shane McMahon on SmackDown. Um, I think that's the best way to use those guys. So that's what I've heard. There, there are obviously moves I'd like to see them make. Uh, I'd like to see them Ooh, consider pa- moving Finn Balor. Pause on this for one second because I want to come back to your yeah. fan, to the fantasy booking. The, the I think AJ. I mean AJ is a good call, but I think you're right. Talking about his, his appearance on SmackDown, it had the feeling. It had it had the feeling both of a sort of like I'm not going anywhere statement because he did say he didn't want to go anywhere and why turn him babyface. Or you know why, why hint the hint the babyface turn before he disappears the next week, um, but there but it also could have sort of been a uh, you know that handshake could have been a farewell you know um, yeah I, I, I'm I'm just I'm just interested in AJ having the 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 largest you know open pasture to mm-hmm. to do his thing you know as possible, and I think right now that's on Raw. What about okay so. Uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the women too, because I think that they they still have a lot of just you know there's still a lot of unanswered questions about the shape of the women's division uh, overall. You know, I mean, I I, I I like that there's female wrestling on both shows. I mean, and it's just it, and and we've had the conversation before. It seems a little bit you know reductive to to put them on just one show or whatever, but. You know, we've kind of they've run through like every single storyline in both rosters at this point. So they do need to shift things up and and give them new you know new new opportunities. But I I I still can't help but think that the that they'd be better served at least just give them a two hundred five live or something. You know, just give us something give us some situation where there's some acknowledgement of the of the broader world there. Anyway, fantasy book. Who who are some people that you would like to see shift? Um, let's see, people that I would like to see shift. I kind of want to see Brock Lesnar on SmackDown. Wow. Uh, specifically because they're losing John Cena for however long, you know, six months. Who knows how long it's going to be that he's doing a movie or he's doing, you know, hosting duties on some award show or something. So SmackDown needs a draw. They need someone who is going to confer legitimacy onto that program and to make it something bigger than just, you know, Raw's little brother. And there's no bigger star in WWE right now than Brock Lesnar. With The Undertaker gone, with Cena doing his Hollywood commitment, Brock Lesnar is a guy who the casual fan, the non-fan knows and can identify and, and identify out of a police lineup. Uh, so why not move him, switch the belts, uh, put the WWE Championship on Raw, move Randy Orton to Raw. I mean, after that WrestleMania match, I don't care what you do with Randy Orton uh, because it was so disappointing. And wherever the hell they're going, 
with this with this Bray Wyatt feud is not going to be a place I'm, I want to go, <laughs> especially because we now know that there is a is a House of Horrors gimmick match that they're going to do. Which, if that PowerPoint presentation on the ring was any indication, is not going to be very fun to watch. Uh, I keep having flashbacks to the White Castle of Fear or or the uh, spin the wheel make the deal gimmick matches from WCW. So I'd like to see some shake up at the top of the card there and just switch the titles. Why not? That's make a, it blue make a blue universal title. That's the, you know what? I mean that's not a, that's an interesting idea. I will say that we just bade farewell to the Undertaker um who had a bunch of matches that in real time seemed very silly and stupid and and we think we we do immediately go to WCW for examples of the silliest stuff but i mean WW, i mean the, you know our favorite our, our our beloved undertaker was just as guilty of it as anybody else um it's just a matter of uh, you know out, outlasting the 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 silly legacy um but yeah, I mean, I think that the House of Horrors is not not. I mean, I I just can't, I can't hear House of Horrors and not immediately think of Tree House of Horrors, which is going to be <laughs> probably like degrees more enjoyable than whatever comes out of that. Um, sure, but <clears throat> I'd also like to see the tag team divisions um, evened out a little bit. I feel like all of the tag teams are on Raw. All of the tag teams that have any sort of momentum or any sort of um, popularity with the audience you add the revival to a raw tag team division that also has Enzo and Cass that also has the Hardy Boys that also has Cesaro and Sheamus and uh, Anderson and Gallows and the New Day and then you look at the the Smackdown tag team roster and they didn't even have enough tag teams that were over <laughs> to consider putting them on the main on e- either of the WrestleMania shows. They didn't even make it to the pre-show. They were in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. I agree with you in principle. What is that about? I, I agree with you in principle, but I gotta say, like, I don't. But in this in specific instances, I. I would. I wish they would have, you know, had room for a SmackDown match. But it wasn't a matter of them like just screwing over the SmackDown tag division. They they didn't have room for it. And I wouldn't have preferred them take time away from anything else to give him that match. And I think it's a little bit like a, you know, like a soccer league style play. And I mean, like if you, you know, if you're the the least popular title being, you know, potentially being def- defended at WrestleMania, then maybe you don't make the card. That's fine. They'll have a they'll they'll try to have a big year and get back there next year. I mean, we have a million other opportunities opportunities to see those guys wrestle. And it's not like they got there. I mean, they got to appear on the show, you know. Um, yeah, and but that's, honestly, my, that's my point is that it's not they're not good enough. Yeah. They're not over enough to warrant being on the show. Well, so if that's the case, then you need to have some more parity. I think that, and I th- speaking about the revival, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, just to be clear, but, but speaking particularly about the revival, um, and uh, the, I think probably a more interesting topic of conversation, Shinsuke Nakamura, I think that... Um, they're at a point now where they where they're actually it's it feels like they're making deliberately unconventional decisions of about how about where they bring people up. I mean, I'm sure they're well considered and everything, but you know, Nakamura as popular as he was seemed like a lot of people were saying it had to be raw. And certainly the revival felt like a more of a SmackDown tag team, but I think, you know, SmackDown if it's going to keep succeeding in the way that it is can't just be, you know, the you know the triple A, and then to NXT's double A, and then Raw is the main show. You know you got you got to there's got to be a little sink or swim, and also putting people in positions to potentially fail. You know I mean put them in position to 
to you know have to be have to get outside their comfort zone. And I think I would have bet a million dollars that the revival was going to be a SmackDown team. But when they showed up on Raw and you know they put them over, I was like, wow, this is a million times better than like the the solid the you know the the, the solid to very good debut match they would have had against American Alpha on SmackDown. Um, that said. Let's go straight to Nakamura before we get out of time to talk about the most important thing that happened this week. Um, I, I, I mean, maybe it's just because it's freshest in my mind, but that has to be one of my favorite moments of the entire WrestleMania weekend was that surprise appearance. I mean, his surprise debut on SmackDown. What, what did you think about it? I mean, I, I think I was more excited for the Hardy Boys and Kurt Angle coming back, but this was up there. This was definitely up there. I thought that they picked the exact right person to have him work with. Yeah, and did, this is great. Didn't I suggest this, this a couple weeks ago? Am I crazy? Did I, or did I just did I just say it in my head? I believe Nick Mundy, actually. I think you did, because someone tweeted at us saying, well, it's The Miz. Who would have guessed? Yeah, Jim Except is in my ear saying it was I'm Nick Mundy. Man, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving Nick Mundy any credit. This isn't his podcast. No, don't put him, don't put him over this week. No way. That guy's already too over as it is. Um... No, I thought it was great because The Miz can talk for him. The Miz um, can be sort of a gatekeeper to whatever the, the style is that they want him to wrestle uh, in on the main roster. And he's such a great overheel that anyone who's not familiar with Nakamura is automatically going to like Nakamura because he's working with The Miz. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I had the exact same thought. I just think, I mean, it's... It, if we're going to presume, and who knows at this point with the, with the network and just the general, uh, you know, internet awareness of most everybody in the world, but particularly wrestling fans, but presuming there are, the, you know, a big swath of people who are not NXT watchers, who are not, you know, keeping up with the indies and, and every little, you know, everything that happens, uh, you know, every rumor that flies on the internet, putting him up against The Miz is, is a very clear way to indicate what we're supposed to think about Nakamura, um... And and making and, and and a way to make sure that fans don't get caught up in preconceived notions of like you know seventies eighties like of every decade of wrestling before where a guy that looks like him is supposed to be a big heel, um, right? Yeah, the the foreign aspect of of it all definitely might be confusing for a certain kind of fan, but I don't think that that really exists in wrestling as much though you know the people that i talked to at wrestlemania the fans and stuff at barters and uh you know in front of the stadium in front of the arena and all that stuff they're the hardcore they're this, the most passionate wrestling yes. fans that there are um so they're not necessarily indicative of the average wrestling fan that lives in green bay wisconsin or in uh Terre Haute, indiana or wherever but uh, I don't think that I don't. I don't think it is as um, prevalent that the idea that you're foreign, you're bad, especially when you look at guys like Jinder Mahal, who are just sort of put out there as, oh, he's 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 from uh, from India, so he must be a heel. Um, those guys aren't getting over. So yeah, but, w- that that that's, but that's my point: is that WWE is still doing it? You know, I mean, like. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why they're still doing it you because can, it doesn't doesn't work. You can call Rusev just like a you know a fun like throwback, like a you know like a like a wonderful reminiscence of of heel of 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 heels of our youth, but that's still how he was booked, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, Nakamura, I think, is in the best position to succeed on the main roster right now, and uh, 
I, I mean, I was just I, I agree with you about Angle and about the Hardys. Those are really big moments. I think that I was just, you know, I, there, I, a little bit of exhaustion had set in for me, even though I'm, I'm watching from home. And I did not expect to be that geeked about anything that happened on SmackDown. All right, I do want to talk about Kurt Angle, but before we get to that, whether you want to bet on the Masters or Major League Baseball, there's no better place to bet on games than BetDSI. It's a top-rated business on sportsbook review sites, and BetDSI is the largest sportsbook online with over 20 years in the business. Their live in-game wagering lets you make plays throughout entire games while they're live and running. You can even bet on the go with BetDSI Mobile Betting. And not to mention, BetDSI has built a reputation of being completely dependable, so you can count on them to repay you and your winnings fast. Plus, if you ever have any questions, their great customer service is available 24-7, 365. Get a free $25 credit for registering at BetDSI, as well as a 200% bonus with first-time deposits when you use the promo code BSPN25. That's a 200% bonus on first-time deposits with promo code BSPN25 at BetDSI.com. You mentioned the Hardys. I want to talk about them, but I want to talk about Kurt Angle first because I said on the show that I'm not as much of a fan of comedy Kurt Angle Although his, I, I don't know if I made a if I if I made a disclaimer in favor of his of his general managerial skills, but man, he was so great on Monday. If I say I, I take back everything bad I said, he was. It's not just that he's that he's likable or whatever. It's just he's so much better at doing that than everybody else they have doing that. You know, I mean, he's. It's it's like, I mean, I feel almost like. Watching that, I I felt like you know when I the same feeling is when like I realized Stone Cold Steve Austin is the world's greatest podcaster. Like when that moment when 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 he first got on the air, I was like, oh, this is what he was meant to do. Kurt Angle is uh, man, I, I'm I was crazy before. Kurt Angle is better at doing that than uh, almost than he was a professional wrestler, and he was the greatest professional wrestler in the world for like four years. So I mean, he's it's just he's just so good, and I'm so happy that he's on that he's on Raw and the role that he's in. Yeah, I mean, think about the fact that now on Raw every week you're going to get three to four, maybe five backstage segments with Kurt Angle, who is maybe the master of the backstage segment. Uh, the stuff that he did with Enzo and Cass was great. Uh, just the idea of putting him with those two guys and letting them sort of trade witticisms back and forth. Uh, I thought he put over Sami Zayn perfectly uh well, there's, a, there's a little heat is, there there's a heat on sammy well, no i mean they sammy was they, sammy was was kind of playing a kiss ass i mean they, i thought that was a little that was a kind of interesting that was an interesting turn they did with that oh i i, I just took it to, to think that he was more just like in awe of kurt angle i didn't i didn't necessarily see it as him like being a kiss ass i don't know i mean this might be the seeds being planted for him becoming something else um but I, you know, I thought it was—I thought it was effective. Um, I could be totally wrong. I don't know. No, no, it was—it uh, was very effective. I love that sequence. I mean, I just think that it was—it was nice to see. Um, it was just—I mean, it's always nice to see fresh blood. But you know, that was particularly nice. Speaking of fresh blood, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Br- the Ringer's own Brian Curtis the other day, and he was—we were, he, we were going over all of the big returns. Kurt Angle, 
the Hardy Boys, I mean, Kurt Angle obviously in a separate role. Jim Ross came back uh, for the main event for the Undertaker's last match and then subsequently announced that he'd signed a two-year deal with WWE. We'll see what that, what that you know, means. Um, and... Uh, were there were there are there other big returns that I'm that I'm that I'm uh, forgetting? Um, I think Kelly Kelly it. was at the Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count? Anyway, um, yeah, no, but I, it's it's I always I think it's really f- interesting. One that WWE, as much as they've worked to swallow all of their competition, still desperately needs a a, a source from which to pull performers. Um, not I mean Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens. There's all these examples of people that sort of arrived as fully formed beings. But also, when you look at the Hardys and Angle and Jr., if it weren't for this sort of like wrestling industrial complex that sprung out all over the internet, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to stay relevant. And and um, I mean certainly they were like the Hardys have been busting their ass working for other companies and stuff. But the relevance I think has largely to do with the fact that there's people talking about them and that their matches are easily available on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, it's really crazy that you know WWE. I mean we you know there's talks about them buying Ring of Honor now and they've you know they have various relationships with other companies. But um, it was so good to see these people back. But it part of what made it so good was the fact that. You know the Hardys have stayed in our at the forefront of our mind, and Jr. doing his podcast stayed at the forefront of our mind. Uh, oh, and calling New Japan and you know whatever, but you know for the past, I mean for the almost the entire time they were gone. What do you think? No, I mean I, I think Meltzer was talking about this on on Jr.'s podcast. Actually, is uh, you know there's so many opportunities for wrestlers to make money and to and to keep their careers afloat. More so than there has ever been uh, in the history of wrestling. Uh, you know, not everybody's able to make a living doing it, but the people who've had TV exposure, who are over, and who um, have the business sense can can make a living, and then at some point raise their value uh, and come back to WWE. I think that's really, really, really important because without the territories, without WCW. Without any real competition for WWE, you're going to need some way to re- to refresh and revitalize talent that burns out. I would not be shocked if Damian Sandow ended up on WWE again now that he's officially out of Impact Wrestling, because he has a chance if he wants to keep wrestling to go to New Japan or to go to Ring of Honor or something and reinvent his character. He had a chance at Impact, but I mean, Lord knows what the hell is going to happen with that company or what they're doing creatively. Uh, but you look at what Matt Hardy did. You you look at what a variety of, of wrestlers have done, uh, what I'm sure Cody Rhodes will do uh, in the next year or so to make themselves more valuable than they were when they left. And there's no question the Hardy boys are more valuable and more over today than the moment when they left WWE seven years ago or whatever. Yeah, I was just was. I was I was watching with Jim, our producer. He was he put on the final deletion video for some of the other guys in the office who had no idea what they were getting into um, right before we started recording. And I mean, I'm sure Matt's probably talked about this in some interview. I, I would love to to know though what the like what the moment that it clicked for him um, that you know. 
there was more to life than coasting off of the WWE resume, you know, and 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 doing indie shows based on that, etc. I remember seeing him in Ring of Honor, where he came out in his, you know, the same out the same pants he'd been wearing since Matt 2.0 or whatever, and or 1.0, sorry, and, uh, and V1 man, come on, V1, great gimmick. Why, why version one, Matt Hardy wrong? version one, dog. My, the way my brain works sometimes, man. Just too much wrestling. The um, but but yeah, I mean he was the exact same guy, and I think there was just a moment where they booked him as a heel because they knew that that was his value to them, right? I mean, just the, having the hard those those diehard Ring of Honor fans, they knew they were going to revolt. Um, and he just you know would do the same finishing move over and over and over again. Like he, it was the Mick Foley you know an ECW thing where he was wrestling a style just to piss people off. And I mean I don't know if that's the moment where it it, it you know he realized this power that he has in his hand you know. But certainly uh, everything he's done since then has been just extraordinary, and it's fun to have him back. Now here's my question: What is the shelf life on? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about just like the general conventional wisdom wrestling fan. What is the shelf life of excitement for all of these people? Because we've seen, I mean, I think we're back on the Shane bandwagon as a unit right now because his WrestleMania match was so great. But we were no there, team Shane was you know Shane Shane Island had very few occupants by you know in the in the months leading up to WrestleMania. Um, and a year before, he had gotten the biggest pop in, re- in WWE history, maybe. You know, I mean, um, what, what do you think the shelf life on our excitement about the Hardys and, you know, even JR? I mean, uh, like Pete, the, the, the big returns. How, what, what do you think the shelf life is? I mean, SummerSlam, six months or however long it is till SummerSlam. Well, actually, what, four months? That's it. If, if they haven't crafted storylines that are engaging for these characters, and I don't count JR in this because JR is a legend on a, on another plane of existence somewhere with the Steve Austins, Rocks, Undertakers, Triple H's. When they show up, those people get a reaction and will always be beloved. You know, he might he's he's Gordon Soley in, in Crockett for WWE. He'll always be a big deal. But for the Hardy Boys and Kurt Angle, they're going to have to have engaging storylines. Kurt Angle maybe less so because he's just the commissioner uh, and he, he's going to be doing, you know, little tiny angles here and there and promos and stuff. He's not working. But go back to when the, the Dudley boys came back. You know, the Dudley boys got a huge pop when they came back. And then slowly but surely they, they didn't win any matches. They didn't have any engaging storylines. They didn't cut promos. They didn't have a direction and they were doing a nostalgia act. Right now, the nostalgia act for the Hardy boys is very potent because you haven't seen them in almost a decade in WWE and because they're still hot from the broken Hardys angle. But it's very clear we're not getting the broken Hardys right now. Uh, Matt Hardy talking his normal voice or pretty much his normal voice without the the Southern twang on Raw Talk. Uh, He's talking about how he was cured of his condition on Twitter. It doesn't seem like they're going to be going in that direction for a variety of reasons. One, the most obvious is the legal aspect, and two, because a lot of WWE fans may not have seen the Broken Saga. So if they don't have a, another direction for them to go, another character tweak for them, if they don't have a really compelling feud for them to participate in, it'll get stale. So I hope that the writers are sitting around with Matt trying to come up with something that's going to be maybe not exactly like the broken 
Matt Hardy character, but something that's going to evolve him and take him to the next level that's similar to that. Because that's yeah. what he needs. Otherwise, it's not going to last. All right. We, I, I, I'm officially calling this. We got to get out of here. Um, <laughs> but that's a shoot, brother. That's it. We, we have, well, we've, we've missed just about everything possible. Um, I'm going to run through. I'm going to do the quick hits. Let's start. Well, let's start sequentially. Is there, is there anything from uh, NXT Takeover that you wanted to hit on? Bobby Roode is a big star. Um, I'm glad to see Ty Dillinger moving up after taking another loss. And uh, Heel Oscar is awesome. Heel Oscar is great. Alistair Black is the future of pro wrestling. I'm, I'm just saying. And that. that tag team match was a match of the year contender. I love that match. Oh yeah, that was really really good. All right. Um, anything from Mania? I mean, we we, only, we basically hit on the big things on our podcast on Sunday. Are there any smaller notes that that, that you wanted to that you wanted to get across? Kevin Owens uh, breaking up a pinfall with his his finger was oh, amazing. Gosh, uh, so I've never seen a wrestling crowd so deflated as when the lights went black in the stadium after The Undertaker went back to parts unknown. That was truly one of the most remarkable wrestling uh, moments I've ever experienced live. Let's see. Kofi Kingston injured by the Revival. Do we care? I'm, I'm, I'm skipping ahead to Raw. Is there, uh, is, is that, are, are you excited about this Revival New Day feud? 100%. I love the Revival. I, I mean this not as a joke, but like the they're going to be, they have the potential to be really great. The thing they have to be careful about and micromanage is the first time someone on air brings up the fact that they're both really short. Like you, you, you have <laughs> yeah. to handle that in such a way that it doesn't just demean them, but that you you're not pretending it's not there. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the, the Rock was a master at finding the one thing that was your biggest weakness as a professional wrestler and poking at it. Yeah, and but then, but that, it, but that, you know, that it. could ruin careers the way The Rock does it. You know, you do it with somebody and too he young. Did. Yeah. <laughs> um, he all right. absolutely did. We got a Nia Jackson Charlotte feud te- tease. Do you think? Do we? Are, are you behind Charlotte as a baby face? Do you think there's a run for her there? Hundred percent, no. Ooh. Absolutely not. That I think the... it's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Ooh. Braun versus Brock, the stare down of the century. Are you? Are you excited to eventually see those guys in the ring together? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think it could be great. I mean, I'm I'm a Braun Strowman mark, and hopefully Jim has played the Braun Braunomania theme song <laughs> during this show. I want a good old fashioned slobber knocker. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I think uh, you know we're not going to see a lot of Brock Lesnar apparently uh, in the next few months. He's not. When, when we're not going to see a lot of Bill Goldberg either. He had, he came out after I guess in the after the show and said that it might be the last time you see him in the ring. I mean that would be a real that would be a, just a real letdown. What well, should be a letdown for him to get in that kind of shape at the ages he's at, and, and then to you know for this to be the end of the run? But also, what are what did we get to? Are we did we even get to ten minutes of in ring time in, in Goldberg's return? No, it was on, it was, a, it was a, around five minutes. No, for on Sunday. It was shorter than the Undertaker's entrance. On Sunday, it was five minutes, and I think up to that point, it had, it had been five or ten. So, like, we're it's this is a very short, very, very. I mean, this, we might have been ten minutes. It might have been ten minutes for this entire return. Um, I as as I as, love that match, though. I love that match. It was. I thought it was booked to perfection. It was short. It was sweet. There were near falls. It was great. It was exactly what I had said was going to happen on our preview show. Yeah, and WWE told me to tell you the checks in the mail. Thank God. A couple of news bites. Uh, Undertaker is getting hip replacement surgery, maybe double hip replacement surgery. That's uh, intense. If anybody can get through it, it's the Undertaker. But um, 
but yeah, that sucks for him. Uh, Simon Gotch has been released. Uh, do you have any opinion on this? Um, no, I just wonder what Aiden English is thinking. I was, ba- I actually it was, it was so high on Simon Gotch when they first signed him. Uh, and I think I mentioned that in some columns. I just love the gimmick. He was really always fun to watch, unlike crappy YouTube videos of indie shows. And uh, and I, I, yeah, I thought there was potential there, but th- that's a thing where yeah, they're the they're the perfect example of what you were saying about Ty Dillinger and the revival. Is oh boy, if you haven't thought out Plan A, Plan B, Plan D, Plan Z, then they're going to flounder, and that's exactly what happened with the with the Vaude Villains. Is they had their run uh, going for the tag titles, and when that was over, they were gone. Yeah, I think that there's. I've said it before. They needed to turn them into just wrestling hipsters, you know, wrestling nerds or something, just some way to keep them. Yeah. Keep the they keep most of the gimmick, but not seem like they came out of a time machine. Um, anyway, that is it. That is the entire. Uh, that's the entire breakdown of WrestleMania week. Um, I, it bears mentioning again. Farewell to the Undertaker. He was the greatest wrestler in the history of zombies. And your piece on the Ringer was awesome. Um, I really, really enjoyed reading that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, and uh, I wrote I wrote something not half as good for Bleacher Report that I I, uh, I hope all you humanoids out there will read. One of my about f- the Undertaker. One of my favorite. Did we tweet that on the Twitter account? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, don't act like you don't have the login to the Twitter account. It's uh, it's. I do. I, it's, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not self-serving, man. It's okay? at I'm Mask here to Ma- put you over. It's at Mask Man, Man Show. Go. You gotta. You gotta follow us at ask, at at Mask Man Show. Um, all of the bad retweets are, are Dave Schilling doing it. Um, the you can you can follow, right. you can follow him at what's your what's your regular handle at Dave underscore Schilling and uh, I'm at David Shoemaker and for God's sake leave some reviews for us five stars uh, anyway farewell to the Undertaker happy WrestleMania get ready for SummerSlam we're gonna we're gonna go all in with our SummerSlam preview maybe next week um, and as always apologies to Dean Ambrose we'll see you back here next week humanoids. Major League Baseball is back, and there's no better place to bet on games than BetDSI. Their live in-game wagering lets you make plays throughout entire games, at home or on the go. Get a free $25 credit just for registering, as well as a 200% bonus on your first deposits when you use the promo code BSPN25.